Warm up those vocal cords, Bill Landis. It's Talk-In Tuesday. Have to sing? Yeah. Well, you can if you want. I, I'll give you some bonus points if you'll sing a question to Ryan Day later on on today, Tuesday, in the Woody Hayes Athletics Center. I absolutely will not. Okay. Well, <laughs> I'll try and figure out something to, to spice up the action for you. Uh, welcome back to the Podcast Daily. He, of course, is Bill Landis, and I'm Austin Ward, and, and Ryan Day and Jim Knowles will be back to update us on game number 11. Has this year gone fast to you? I yeah. can't believe it. I can't believe it either. Like I don't, I don't know why it didn't hit me until last week, and I was like, "Oh my god, there's two weeks until the Michigan game." <laughs> it's pretty crazy. Yeah, yeah. This I felt like last year that season took forever, and this one I'm like, didn't they just play Notre Dame? I don't. Yeah. How are we at this point? Anyway, I, I mean, I I I like it. I also hate it. We're almost out of games. I know. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, soon enough, we'll be sitting here on uh, February Monday, wondering what the heck we're going to talk about. Yeah, yeah. The NFL draft. Um, no, I can't wait for that. Oh, the combine in February. Combine. Oh no, even worse. Maybe that's what we can ask Brian Day. Hey, has this year gone really fast to you, or did uh, the compliance and the accusations from Michigan really ruin your week? <laughs> yeah, I'm week? sure. Yeah. Uh, anyway, that's that's not a question for the press conference. But what is? What's tickling your brain? So we got to figure out what's up with Lathan Ransom, right? Um, the initial prognosis there seemed optimistic that he would be back, if not this week, then like by the game. Mm-hmm. And, and even if that was the most optimistic you could possibly be, that that opportunity was still out there, or at least the hope was still out there. And it does just kind of seem like that's trending in a bad way. I know you you texted out to our text subscribers that he was on, Lathan was on a scooter um, in the warm-ups before the Michigan State game, and Ryan Day afterward put a timeline on it of long-term, which is kind of the first time he's done that. And I guess it's twofold, like, right, what's up? And then two is, like, what's the impact of that? Do, do, do Ryan Day and Jim Knowles both feel like they're in a good place with the way that Sonny Styles and Jordan Hancock have played at Bandit and Nickel, respectively, the last couple of weeks without Lathan to feel confident going into, certainly this week against Minnesota, but obviously we're, we're more focused on, we are, not Ohio State, we yeah. are more focused on uh, what's going to happen in two weeks up in Ann Arbor. Yeah, I think to dip in a little to the Ryan Day vocabulary lexicon, long-term, almost always, but but not exclusively, means season-ending. Yeah. Uh, it appears, based on what we've heard, that there was this did require a medical procedure for Lathan Ransom. Uh, I can't sit here and say definitively what that timeline would be. I know that there are people in the Woody Hayes Athletic Center who are, when I'm like, could Lathan be back? They viewed that as more of an NFL decision than being back for the playoffs. Yeah. The way that they answered the question changed dramatically from one week to the next. So I don't, I'm not going to make predictions. I don't know what's going to happen in four or five weeks' time, but I don't expect to see Lathan definitely not against Minnesota. I think it's highly unlikely that that's going to happen against Michigan. And a Big Ten championship game, that seems like a stretch as well. Again, I don't know what an actual timeline is. But I don't think Ohio State can prepare for the next two weeks that they're guaranteed, <clears throat> counting on Lathan Ransom. Yeah, it, it feels like at the very least it's been extended from whatever it was right. when, when the injury initially happened. Um, and that happens. Like, guys get reevaluated. You decide, like, surgery, not surgery, recovery time, all that stuff. Like, I'm not I'm not totally surprised that it's gotten to this point, only because, like, it was a weird non-contact injury. And when you see stuff like that, you fear for the worst. And we, don't, we still don't really know what it is. But um, that we're here is not ultimately surprising. But now it's like we're here, so now... Where does Ohio State go without a very important piece of their defense as they're trying to win a national championship? Did you feel like Saturday was a step forward for Malik? 
Yes, I did. I thought he played really well. Um, he had uh, there was like one play I thought really like kind of rushed up the field and missed a tackle, but then I thought he settled in after that. They did the thing that I was hope hopefully would do when I talked about in pregame keys is like don't pull him out of the game when, when he makes a mistake on the first or second drive. Let him play through it. Let him get the speed of the game and um, find a little bit of, rhythm, of a rhythm. And I thought they did that. Um, he was pretty close to getting interception in that game too. And he, and he played the run well. He he stopped the pass to the flat well. So. Um, I feel a little more encouraged by what he could do if if, if called upon. Um, although I think we're probably going to see Josh Proctor back out there, right? Um, that felt uh, like the more along the lines of we could play him if we wanted to, but we're not going to kind of deals. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's good to see from Malik Hartford. But and I, and I think they're okay with with Josh Proctor and Sonny Styles and and Jordan Hancock. The one thing and Burmash Jim knows this last week. Um, I think maybe yes, Ryan Day. He has one of them about Sonny Styles playing closer to the line of scrimmage. Because I, and I, I think a lot of people who watch Sonny play, think he just looks more comfortable there. And this position that he's in now requires him to play back, not all the time. He still he still plays down. We know Lathan's a great run stopper. But is there anything they can do to make sure that it's Sonny who's playing in the box? More often than it is Jordan Hancock, who is fine down there too. But I would rather have Sonny, who's like a third linebacker at times down there. Yeah, I mean, when you're looking at the run stopping portion, I think having Josh Proctor's physicality, Mm-hmm. Uh, is a plus for that too. I mean, we know that Sonny can can match up just about anywhere on the field, and Jordan Hancock has been, you know, good about everything. I mean, he's yeah. he's such a versatile defender. So it's interesting because, like, I think really highly. So do you of Lathan Ransom and his potential as an NFL player and in moving to the next level. And it's like I would be a, if you told me a month ago, what would the concern level be for Ohio State to play? The game without Lathan Ransom, like, Ooh, that's not very good. Yeah. And now, like, I feel like, well, maybe they'll be fine, and they can stop the run. And JJ McCarthy's not as much of a threat to throw as people think, and maybe they'll get through that. They've done a, Malik Hartford's emergence is part of that. The ability to have Jermaine Matthews step up and help at corner is a part of that. Even you know Calvin Simpson Hunt getting reps, like all these. It seems like they keep turning over the next man up thing. You can use that as a mantra all you want, but. You, Generally, they are behind in line for a reason. They've kept this thing moving even while dealing with injuries, which has been really impressive. Like, not having three starters for a game in the secondary would have been absolutely debilitating a year ago, and now it's not. It's like, all right, no big deal. On to the next one. It's weird what happens when you have uh, carryover with your secondary coaches when they're around. Remarkable. For more than one year. Yeah, I think, I think Perry Eliano and Tim Wall both have done a good job um, getting their entire rooms ready so there's – I mean, maybe you do notice a, a little bit of a drop-off here and there, like play-to-play perhaps, but there have been times in the past where it was like, yep, that guy's not supposed to be out there. And I've, I've not really felt that at any point this year, not even earlier in the year when Malik Hartford got a spot start and got pulled from that game early. I kind of thought that was a quick hook. And, mm-hmm. uh, and otherwise, um, I think everyone who's been called upon has performed incredibly well. All right, so that's, that's a twofer right there, looking yeah. at the safeties and an injury situation. So are you with me on center? Where, where, what, what's, what's the, what's the dialogue we're trying to open here on the center position? Well, uh, yes, and kind of no. I, I'm, I don't want to be alarmist. So, or like create, like I'm not trying to come off as like fabricating a story out of nothing. I think I am concerned about it, and well, I know I am. Do I think that Justin Fry and Ryan Day are going to approach the penultimate week of the regular season and be like, you know what? Now that's it. We've gone yeah. with the same starting lineup for 10 weeks. 
after people asked, you know, in the middle of October, could they make a change? They said there was no, no way. The, the top five personnel are entrenched, and they rolled, rode with that. Since then, and we always have to put this disclaimer out there, PFF does not know every responsibility. Their grades can, must be taken with a grain of salt. I do think that they illustrate a point. And their grades of three out of the last four weeks, Carson Hensman under 50, that's alarming. Mm-hmm. Because it matches up with what I'm seeing, which are struggles. Like we'd said on Saturday, Bill, we're in the press box. Like, was that the first time that he's had an errant snap all year? And I, I was like, I think I can only remember maybe one other, maybe, uh, and not one that like rolled around ten yards behind the line of scrimmage. Like, so that part of your brain goes, well, he's been consistent with the snapping. He's developed that relationship with Cal McCord. Maybe they don't make a change. Uh, and then they put Matthew Jones at center for ten snaps in the second half, and I was like. Maybe they do think that that yeah. has to be considered. Maybe they do. It's the Matthew Jones piece to me that is worth asking about. Correct me if I'm wrong. He's never played center before last week, right? We always thought he would. He was recruited as a center, just stuck at guard, and he's been a very good guard. Um, and they kept all the other starters out there. It wasn't like, oh, we're going to get if, if a blowout game like that. You want to get Enoch Vamahi some run, a good program guy. Mm-hmm. Absolutely all about that. But he played with all the other star- <laughs> all the other starters, and they didn't put Jacob James in there. Right, they put Matthew they put Jones. Matthew Jones. They moved Matthew Jones from right guard to center, and then left everyone else the same and put Enoch Vamahi at right guard. They could have just kept Carson Hinsman in there and put Enoch Vamahi at right guard. <laughs> they didn't do that. Also, could have done that. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's just interesting to me. I, I and I, I want to make sure I ask about it in the right way because I, I, I don't. I don't think it's hey, are you going to bench Carson Hinsman going into the, the Minnesota game when he got Michigan coming in two weeks? That I don't, I don't think that's it. But is there, is there a way to get at whatever their thought process is about Carson Hinsman? Because I don't, I think, I think you you laid out right with the way they use PFF grades, especially for offensive linemen. They can be they can be um, informative only if you're kind of using your eyes first, right? And sometimes I look at them and like that's not what I saw. There are other times I look at them like, yeah, that's more or less what I saw. And that, that, that's been the case, I think, with Carson Hinsman the last few weeks. He's given up a lot of pressures. Um, he's not given up any sacks, but he's given up a lot of pressures and I think the most hurries of anyone on the team and a handful of hits on Kyle McCord. Um, I don't think his run blocking when he actually, when he has to like move a defensive lineman by himself is great because he's just kind of a smaller guy, and I think he's still developing that the strength that he needs to, to play at this level. And, and Byrne made the point when we talked about this on, on the Daily on Monday like. You know, he is a redshirt freshman. He's not played a lot. Of course he has some development to do. If Michigan wasn't so good at defensive tackle, maybe I wouldn't be thinking about it, but they are. They're excellent at defensive tackle. It's probably where they're best. Um, and it just worries me, and I wonder if it worries them because the like the idea of Matthew Jones playing in that game, like it didn't feel random. They could have played Jacob James. Vic Cutler did end up coming in and took some snaps after Matthew Jones when the entire twos were in there mm-hmm. on the offensive line. Like that was – deliberate and i i want to know why uh is it more about shoring up depth or is it more about like hey let's see what this looks like because we think we might need to go to it at some point so i didn't think when all this conversation was coming up about the offensive line in the first or second week of october i didn't not only did i not think that they were going to make changes but i also didn't think they were necessary i thought they were going to continue to grow i thought that the chemistry the cohesion the communication all that was growing and they they deserved the opportunity to let that play out. I didn't think that that was a wrong decision at the time. So I can't go back and use revisionist history in hindsight to, to change that. But if 
and maybe it's just because you look at the last four games and, and something has happened, it's regression or hitting the wall, whatever. I don't think it does it changes anything for Carson Hensman's future. But if you're and maybe it is because I watched Michigan and Penn State and I saw Kenneth Grant doing things that like are are terrifying. Yeah. Like he is a very good defensive tackle. And then I went and watched Ohio State struggle in the middle of the offensive line at times. Again, putting it in perspective, they did all the things that they wanted to do. They ran the ball well. They they passed a, a very efficient efficiently. Yeah. The court wasn't sacked. Like, like so, yeah. you know, I don't I don't want to make it into some sort of deal breaking Achilles heel for Ohio State. But if you use the hindsight, you, I think the question has to be asked: like, why did you not try this particular experiment five weeks ago? And st- and now you are in the last opportunity before the game. And so if you think that that's a possibility, Matthew Jones, maybe you don't think he needs all that time. Maybe he doesn't need the reps. Maybe he already has the chemistry with guys. Maybe he can make all those goals. I don't know, but like, don't you – they didn't feel they had to do it a month ago. I understood. Don't you feel like maybe this week you owe it to yourself to make sure that you've checked under every possible rock to get ready for the most important game of the year? Yeah. And that's where I'm at, and I don't – maybe they still feel that – practice tape and everything else trumps it and that's what they're most comfortable with maybe that's Carson Hensman maybe that's you know Enoch Vamahi or Tegra Shavola like maybe that's just clearly that's what they've decided for 10 weeks but to your your point it, it can't have been an accident it's like oh let's try Matthew Jones right now at the end of the Michigan State game yeah it's just it, had Matthew Jones played center at any point prior to that maybe I'd think less about it but and it's especially pointing for me because I like I asked Justin Fry about this in like March or May maybe yeah. whenever we had that assistant coach day after spring football like two hey, years ago yeah two years ago yeah I've been asking it uh, since Matthew Jones was a junior in high school um, <laughs> would you think about putting Matt at center and then playing either Enoch or Tegra at guard like that to me was the surefire way to get to your best five offensive linemen and like obviously there was a lot of tackle conversation happening there. Too, but I, I to me it felt like a no brainer. Like, and I'm just a guy who's watching football and has opinions. Many of them are wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not agreeing to the last part. I'm just yeah, saying no. I was agreeing fine. to no, the guy fine. with the opinions. Part. Yeah. Um, so I don't like if if they're finally coming around to that thought process now. Like I find that annoying. <laughs> so I don't. I don't. I, I. I don't know. I don't. I don't know what it is. I think. I think there is. Matthew Jones has played a lot of football. So, like, the adjustment for him to move is probably not that great. But if you're considering any kind of shuffling of the deck, then you're putting that right guard, whether it's Enoch Omahu, who's been around a long time but still not played a ton, or Tegra Shabola, who played four games last year and redshirted, um, in a tough spot. So that that's probably why they're not going to do it. But I don't know. I, I, I can come to no other conclusion that they're, like, at least considering – the possibilities of what that could potentially look like if there's any other qualifier I could put on there. Yeah, I mean, because at this point, you have no other option. You cannot just make that move next Monday and then put them out there on the road against one of the best defenses in the country. Whether they know your signals or not, that's still what they are. And those defensive tackles are the real deal. That's not that's not a winnable situation. So I think all this time that they talk about you know, personnel, coaching, scheme, fundamentals, finding the things that are right. Like, the end result, all of that falls under the category of what puts Ohio State in the best position to win. And if they don't at least, and I'm not suggesting that they, for 10 weeks, ignored it completely, 
and weren't considering it. Every single day, they're evaluating practice tape in addition to the game. Like, yeah, I, I think also too, you want to give a player who's at the stage where Carson Hinsman is in his career, like runway mm, yeah. to improve, right? Yeah, and I think that's that's the part that's changed for me. Well, I thought he was doing that through the middle of the season, and then I said, oh, there's some misses going on there. It's not not perfect. Maybe it's Wisconsin. Maybe it's the you know grind of the season. Like not can, not everything has to be perfect in the in the growth process. But it's it, once you get to three out of four, that becomes like trend territory. Mm-hmm. And maybe the way he he played so up and down on Saturday that cemented in their mind. Maybe this is something that can't get dramatically better by the end of the year. Maybe we have to consider something else. And that doesn't mean that they will change their mind or change the lineup, but it ha- they ha- they got some new information at least. Yeah, I wondered. I, I thought the way that and we're probably maybe making too much of this, or at least I am. After the Wisconsin game, Ryan Day was asked about um, a play earlier, early in that game, where he thought everything about the play was perfectly designed and schemed up for it to be a big hit, except for the fact that Carson Hinsman snapped the ball at Kyle McCord's feet. And Kyle had to bend over and pick the ball up. And by the time he did that, there was a guy in his face and he couldn't see where the pressure was coming from. And I thought the way that Ryan Day talked about that play was interesting because he did seem to, like, he didn't say, like, this was Carson Hinsman's fault, but he was hyper fixated on the snap of breaking down that play. And then, like, the play has been inconsistent enough, sort of in between. They had the bad snap against Michigan State. Like, those are, like, just mistakes you can't afford. No. Um, I mean, you're trying to beat Michigan and trying to win a Big Ten championship and trying to get get a national championship. So, because like, regardless of what you think of Ohio State's ability to win a national championship, they're alive for one, so they're going to try to win it. Um, and that's such think, a weird thing to say about the it. team that's number one in the yeah, country, and they think they can do it. And I'm not I'm not talking to Ohio State fans. I'm no, talking more to you know the national discourse. Um, well, they're not going to listen. Yeah, they're not. They all listen to the show. They're all very riveted by this uh, 15 minutes of center talk. I, I, it's just, it's look what you've done to me. Yeah. Well, listen, they've they've piqued my curiosity with offensive line moves. So, what do you think was going to happen? I just now I actually watch offensive line play. <laughs> Used to be, I was so I was such a simpleton. I'm just going to watch the quarterback and where the ball goes. I yeah. saw you send out that text about Carson Hinsman on Monday morning, and I it's like pump my fist. Yeah, you've you've done it. You've officially done it. And now. Now I don't just talk exclusively about the one <laughs> position that everybody else can look at. Uh, maybe that's maybe that's growth for me. Uh, what else is on your mind? Uh, whatever Kyle McCord ate for breakfast the morning of the Michigan State game, he mm. should have that, have every, that again? every day moving forward. Uh, it was just like it looked, like we, it looked like what we've been waiting to see, right? The fast start, pinpoint accuracy, like great throws. Like he, he, he had five or six like awesome throws, I thought, in that game. And we've just been waiting to see it, and it's if it's happening now, it's great. This is the time you want to see it. But they but, weren't on air. Some of that was covered pretty yeah, well. Yeah, the, the first touchdown to Marvin was was a tremendous throw. Um, was that a, you're just playing Michigan State? You got on cool uniforms. You're feeling good about yourself, or like did they land on something with preparation either during the week or or day of? And I'm talking Ryan Day and Kyle McCord that allowed that to finally happen because clearly they need that to happen again. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see what he chalks that up to. He, he was still talking on Saturday night as we left the horseshoe about the footwork and finding the speed of the game. I, I think it is more of a collective effort, having Cade Stover, having Emeka Buka trending back, 
teams not being able to just throw as many bodies as possible at Marvin, the creativity in the run game, I, all these things work together. It is not just as simple as, uh, and I said this a, a few weeks ago, like a thumbs up or a thumbs down from Kyle McCord. He has the arm talent to make any throw that they could ever ask him to, and we've seen that. Was it inconsistent? What Were there a few moments that he made a bad decision at Wisconsin, a bad throw at Rutgers? Yes, of course he did. Uh, that happens to every quarterback at every level, no matter how many starts, how much experience you have. Not every throw is going to be perfect. You can't have the turnovers. Like That's, that's uh, job number one at that position to avoid that. But it's not like that was the first time that we saw him throw a receiver open or fit into a tight window or have confidence to throw you know, the third and seven slant like, and put it on the numbers. That, like, that's all that happened before. You want to see it more, but that also comes with time, over time. It also comes with good protection and having all your weapons available and not you know, having a walk-on tight end. With all due respect to Patrick Gerd, he's done a great job to fill a role. Having uh, a Mackey Award candidate's a little different. Yes. And it's a, the defense treats it differently. They fear Cade Stover, and if it's a combination of his backups, they're going to put extra people on Marvin. They sure are, yeah. And and if they, if they deem Mackey Abuka to be a lesser version of himself, they'll probably do that as well. Um, so you're right. It, was, it wasn't merely the Kyle McCord flipped the switch and started playing better. Like, everyone around him, I think, played better. He wasn't pressured all that much. He wasn't sacked. The one time they kind of got after him, he made a great play to improvise and flip that shovel pass to, to Cade Stover. Um, and you're right that we have seen all we've seen throws like that all year. I just thought it was maybe the first time we've kind of seen them all in one game. Yeah, no, no, no. <laughs> or, or all in one half of football. Yeah, no, I don't, th- I don't specific. think that's wrong. Yeah, so, and, and a lot of it, if you like, I mean, we've all watched Kyle enough, too, to know what it looks like when he's when his feet are good and he's dialed up to the right place, and there was just a lot of that. Like it, The one play where I felt like he didn't have his feet under him was when he like slightly underthrew Marvin on the touchdown at the start of the second half. But otherwise, it was good processing. I thought he saw stuff really well, was getting the second and third reads, um, and just looked like a, a, a quarterback who had taken a step forward. And the thing, I guess, that can't happen now, or at least I hope for him doesn't happen now, is... Uh, not even like a regression, but you just like you want to see him build on it now going against Minnesota. Like Minnesota's not a very good defense either. Um, maybe a little better in some ways than Michigan State, but they just got their butts handed to them by Purdue. This is yeah, not a good, what this, the hell was that? This is not a good football team that Ohio State's about to play here uh, on Saturday. So there's an opportunity there for further growth and for Kyle McCord especially to go into Ann Arbor feeling like he's playing the best football that he's played this year, which I think is really important. All right. Anything else? Jim Knowles? Got got into Lathan, so that's probably yeah. I think asking about Lathan, um, maybe like an assessment of some of the younger guys who got into the game. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. There's a whole lot to take away from playing Michigan State. They're they're a really terrible offense. Um, what did nobody guess what they thought of Cody Simon in an extended uh, role there? Malik Hartford for sure. Um, Calvin Simpson Hunt. I know Ryan Day singled that play out. What, what did Jim Knowles think of that? Like that kind of stuff. I don't I don't think anything big picture with Jim Knowles coming off a game like that. Yeah, hard. To- that's the only part that's hard to tell. Like you did say last week, Michigan State's got a bit of a pulse on defense, but mm. don't expect anything else yeah. against the Silver Bullets. Yeah, they delivered. <laughs> and they did not let us down. <laughs> uh, I don't know that Minnesota will be <laughs> that different with what they've got going on at quarterback recently. How much – it seemed like maybe in the preseason you were a little bit enamored by what they had going on at quarterback. I, I think I, you bet on them in week one. The Greek rifle, Nathan Kaliak-Manis. I was uh, – my interest was peaked. Yeah. I was like, huh. 
and they were because they were talking a big game about him. PJ Fleck with his you know his you face, can't believe anything that man his says. new facelift that he got last year was up at the podium with Big Ten Media Days talking a big game, and then and then uh, you know what? It's not been very good. So he's a big fan of plastic surgery, isn't he? <laughs> For reasons, um, we'll see. PJ Fleck and the Gophers on Saturday at four o'clock. Not my favorite kickoff time in the world. The worst kickoff time. Yeah. And I I feel for everybody having to manage that on Saturday that is going to the horseshoe with us, but we will get through it. There's because it's the last one in the horseshoe this Senior year. Day. I cannot yeah. believe it. We'll talk more about that as the week goes on on the podcast daily. Thanks for joining us on this talking Tuesday. He's Bill Landis and I'm Austin Ward. We'll see you later.